Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's Friday, and Vela's is back. We're getting Vela's twice this week. This is the second round, Vela's round two. So get ready for that. Vela's going to be breaking it down. And again, folks, you can follow him over the Discord. If you want to get onto the Discord, just email CJ. CJ at roguenews.com. CJ at roguenews.com. And I've I figured out my whole password situation on my email. So if you want to email me, <laughs> I'm the worst. Uh, <laughs> be at roguenews.com. Um, and also, guys, check us out on Twitter at Real Rogue News, at Real Rogue News. And with that being said, Vela, CJ, what's up, gentlemen? How are you guys doing? Hey, guys. Happy end of week. It's Friday. It is Friday. It is Friday. I'm, uh... we, we made it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I made it. I'm still alive. Thank God. You know, CJ's still doing his toxic masculinity workouts and all this other stuff. And, you know. What's new? We, we we mentioned, well, it's the 13th letter of the Greek alphabet, but that's not important right now. Um, about the 13th letter. Today's Friday the 13th? I mean, I'm, said I'm losing what, track. You said what's new. N-U. What's new? New is the 13th letter of the Greek alphabet. Oh, I get it. That's a, That's an old fraternity joke. No. <clears throat> Just would have known that. Maybe, 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 maybe not. Although he did drop a little Greek yesterday, and and uh, in uh, spoken very, very well, I might say. Um, <laughs> that was uh, definitely he's he went to Greek school when he was a kid for for you fans of uh, my big fat Greek wedding. Mm. Um, yeah, and we mentioned on the show there might be a blockade of Taiwan, and then there's a blockade of Taiwan. We're we're. Uh, the Oracle of Delphi here at Rogue News. That's it, brother. Well, a number of things to cover today, folks. Um, first, uh, a light, amusing comment about uh, Neil Stevenson. V and I've mentioned him before. He's an author. Yes, Snow Crash, Crypto Crash. Yes, and uh, um, oh, a number of books he's written. Uh, In the Diamond Age is another one about a future. Uh, like the ultimate form of what what nanite technology would look like, and uh, anathem, which will completely melt your brain. Um, but you know his book Snow Crash, uh, which was published in 1992, uh, he was one of the first people who coined the term the metaverse. 
Yes. And we've <clears throat> mentioned his work on here before, especially Uncle Enzo's pizza delivery. <laughs> um, but you may want to go check the Wikipedia page on that one again, folks, because this whole thing about the metaverse, um, Stevenson kind of described where that might go. And uh, I think Silicon Valley has been reading his book. Um, wanted, to, wanted to kind of pull the bus over here for a philosophical comment before I get into my kind of my more normal content um, in relation to our, uh, our global masters. Um, all of you in our audience and we, your hosts, we're all observers of the fight that's going on between the world's elites right now. And I know at times it can feel like there's a single, all-powerful, united side uh, by, you know, as we loosely call them, the globalists. Uh, but that's disinformation. And uh, obviously there's a great deal of harm being caused to all of us, the little people, uh, as they fight it out. It's also why I keep pushing uh, the importance of diversifying uh, the degree possible for all of you, your information sources and other other personal resources. I posted a comment last night, um, another Brendan O'Connell kind of missive about uh, saving and storing certain certain data and backing up things and so on. And I've got some some security resources for you a little later in the show. Um, but I posted that comment on Discord last evening, and I'll, I'll return to it on next week's show. Um, equally important, we have to be mindful that some of the folks that we're listening to uh, in the alternative or mainstream media are also paid assets uh, by various sides in this ongoing battle that's going on out there. And there's a number of factions and major players out there. And I'll, I'll quote from one of my favorite lines from, from Miami Vice, the TV show of the 1980s again, about, quote, this is Miami and you don't know the players down here without a program, unquote. Um, because there's factions, for instance, in the intelligence community, you know, with inside the CIA itself and the National Security Agency as well. And if you speak to anybody who works in intelligence work uh, or various folks in D.C., they'll, they'll tell you what the average person probably doesn't know, which is that the CIA and the NSA uh, actually loathe each other. Um, as far as paid media resources are concerned, um, one of those is Tucker Carlson of Fox. Now, Tucker's been putting out a lot of solid truth, um, but Tucker's been a CIA asset for a long time. He was an editor of a newspaper in Little Rock when Bill Clinton was governor. Uh, Tucker's father, what, you always hear this statement about somebody who worked for the CIA or whatever, and it's like, well, if you're even on the air, then I, I'm wondering why you're on the air if you're such a high-ranking former resource. But it's in the public domain. Tucker's father was a senior leader in the agency long before Tucker kind of took his role in all of this. And we've, we've described on Rogue a number of times the degree to which Bill Clinton was an asset of the Central Intelligence Agency while he was governor. And Tucker and others were there to keep the media under control so that Bill could do what he needed to do. So it begs the question, why is Tucker speaking truth about things that cause problems for what appears to be the goals of the CIA? Well, because the CIA is not a united organization. That's not an endorsement of Fox or Tucker. And I do like Tucker's content and I, I like his delivery. He's also been kind of getting into memes now, which is funny. Um, but as of right now, Tucker is doing what his faction needs him to do. And one of the bigger things Tucker's been doing, wink, wink, he's putting tremendous heat on the FBI. The, we had hearings just this week with the FBI's director. And the public is so fixated on the FBI selling out to the highest bidder to clean up any major politician's problems. We're being distracted, and we're not seeing the blood that's soaking out of the CIA headquarters in Langley as those folks are fighting it out internally. 
There's also factions inside Britain's MI6, and yes, there's factions even inside none other than the Mossad, Israel's intelligence agency, or primary intelligence agency. And there are also, in the commercial space, there are folks inside BlackRock who will wipe out with the board of directors' approval other groups inside BlackRock if the money or the power involved makes sense. That goes for State Street Advisors, it goes for Vanguard, and that goes for the Carlisle Group, and the list goes on. Now, in the fall of 2020, I made some comments about the riots uh, at that time and some other events where I made a, a comment where I said, I cannot take this seriously. And I said that because of the claimed importance of those riots. But yet at the same time, I felt it was all very Keystone cops. St. Louis was burning, but Detroit or Cleveland were not. Portland was on fire and had major social upheavals, but yet not Los Angeles. Seattle was having major problems, but not Atlanta or Baltimore. Do I take these battles among the world's elites seriously? Absolutely. But at the same time, to paraphrase the Bible, we have wars and rumors of wars. We have a great upheaval of the world's economy, and that's no joke. But at the same time, if the World Economic Forum was really serious about what they claim is the level of power they think they have and what their apparent stated goals are, I don't want to be flippant about this, but we should all have electronic money at this point and have very limited mobility globally for anyone to, to move around their country. Um, yes, we do have an impact to the fertility of the world's populations, and that's kind of an unknown where that may go. But even at the level of increased deaths and sterilization we're witnessing, and yes, the other part of that that's kind of been missed is miscarriages. In my opinion, the numbers should be much higher. It's bad, but it should be worse. Now, will it get worse later? Who knows? These are not the kinds of impacts to global populations, though, that the eugenicists for years have said they've wanted, which begs the question, what's going on? And for me, this feels like a partial impact to the global population issue, but more of an effort to dishearten people globally and sow chaos wherever they can. And we've seen chaos used with great efficiency before. We saw it in Imperial Russia in 1916 and 1917. We saw it in Weimar Germany in the 1930s. There were multiple national revolutions across Europe in 1848. Argentina, just pick a year. China's history during the Opium Wars, and the list goes on. Whenever we have this kind of chaos, it's an opportunity for somebody to overhaul governments or overhaul financial systems, and the list goes on. So we have to keep monitoring and working together to put the pieces together. And by the way, have no doubt, they are going to start interfering with shows like ours on the uh, access to the internet and so on. And the bot armies are on the march yep. uh, to sow as much confusion as possible. So as always verify, um, I continue to have some folks reach out to me periodically, sending me things to the, <laughs> very funny, John Michael Karma Tucker did not kill himself. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Tucker Carlson did not kill himself. God uh, almighty. I mean, Tuck's been on fire. He just, he just the other night just talking about how Derek Chauvin did not kill George Floyd. <laughs> yeah, that caused a dust up. Well, and again, my my point about Tucker is 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 uh, you know it's it's a very old saying. I mean, uh, the I wouldn't call it criticisms, but the reevaluations of of millennial Millie that I've mentioned on this show did a number of years ago. Did uh, the woman named named millennial Millie? Did she did she do a pretty good job with some documentaries and things that she did? Yes. Were they eye opening? Yes. Did she probably be the only person out there that dug into the fact that and this is true that elementary school age kids and middle school age kids were being 
leveraged by political action groups, including for forms of violence, because they knew law enforcement's not going to prosecute them. And even better, did she reveal, stunningly, that these kids were being trained by security firms in Virginia that were all founded by ex-military and ex-Homeland Security people? Yes. And then what happened? There was a lull. And then all of a sudden, she starts finding herself very close to people that are connected to the state of Israel. And the rest is history. So with Tucker, he's very good when he's on the air. And he's been, uh, shall we say, firing with firing on the enemy with, with effect. But we can't take away the fact that Tucker's history is undeniable. You can't be that connected to the intelligence community and just say, Dad, I think I'm going to go do something else. Uh, the same thing, as I've mentioned on this show before, is true of Mark Levin. Mark Levin has an absolutely... Uh, superb legal mind he's got that almost william f buckley like way that he he interviews his guests and stuff he has a very very sharp intellect but that doesn't take away the fact that he was the legal advisor for a major uh reagan official in the administration um oh the cowardly lion i can't remember at the moment who that was but uh, a guy connected to laundering huge amounts of money through motorola and a whole bunch of other while we were while we were distracted by what was going on with Iran Contra, there was an even bigger issue going on with money being laundered by Motorola for certain off the books intelligence efforts. And Mark Levin was the legal advisor to the to the folks that were doing that. It's almost like a Bill Barr kind of thing. So these these folks are all players. They're all assets. What matters to us is we're not part of that. We don't have, we're not dealed into that card game. And we got to keep an eye on where things where things may go. So back to kind of the normal uh, commentary um, inventories. Uh, we have a massive amount of inventories building up worldwide. Warehouse space is at a premium right now. And I've also reached out to some folks that do this stuff professionally, and they've confirmed absolutely that that warehouse space is running out. Uh, global consumers are cutting back on spending for a number of reasons, not the least of which is inflation. Um, it's also worth noting microprocessors uh, of the kind that are in short supply. There's quite a buildup of those as well in South Korea. Uh, that struck me as notable because it means if we have any kind of interference in Taiwan's shipping lanes, there's a supply available, which would imply that it's almost like someone knew something was going to happen months before it happened. Um, the other thing is with what money you have, some opportunities may be coming up because the liquidation warehouses are probably going to start firing up shortly. Um, lithium prices. Uh, there are exceptions to inventories. Uh, lithium prices have skyrocketed somewhere between 400 to 700% by the end of this year since spring of 2021. We'll have to see what the, the numbers look like at the end of the year. So remember, folks, physical assets win every time over paper promises. Um, billions for Ukraine, just worth noting. Um, where are those tens of billions of dollars we sent to Ukraine? In fact, how did we send the money to Ukraine? Uh, was that a cashier's check, gold on deposit, gift cards? Um, normally for money like that, you get your own country or something like it if the World Bank or the IMF give you money. It was a, it was um, a mail order. Yeah, it was a mail order. Uh, <laughs> mail order check. <laughs> cashier's check from my local grocery store. Uh, also, also, just well, a reminder. Walmart cleared it. <laughs> yeah, Walmart cleared it. Are you sending money to Mexico? Um, also, just a reminder, that wasn't a loan, that initial $33 billion or whatever it was that we, we gave Ukraine. That, we just gave them that. 
on top of all the other arms money and everything else that's flowing through the bleeding wound that is Ukraine. Um, disability claims. Um, remember what I said about, about people who have studied the UFO subject. Uh, you're rarely going to find what you're seeking by going through the front door. Uh, groups investigating anything with a government angle have to use clever ways to get the data they need. Um, so when it comes to inoculation data, uh, short of government databases, because <laughs> uh, some of those are being scrubbed regularly, and I've been posting a number of articles about that on the Discord page, uh, you do have FOIA requests and similar, but you have to be kind of uh, clever about what you're doing. Um, it came out in the past two weeks or so, and it still kind of needs to be confirmed, that evidently a major uh, airline pilots union, nobody's uh, so far identified which airline this was, has indicated that their pilots have had a 300% rise in long-term disability claims this year for any of their pilots who've been vaccinated. And there's been some discussion on the Discord page, on the VELUS section, but also the health section as well. Um, there are certain aspects of when you're in a pressurized aircraft, um, it does tend to cause certain reactions in the body uh, rather than you just kind of walking around wherever wherever you normally live. I know that my blood pressure tends to go up a bit after I've been uh, flying. Um, the other thing is, is that like, for instance, we have a much higher number of young kids who are reacting to anything involving peanuts or peanut oil. A lot of packages for foods and stuff use peanut oil to keep things moist. Um, kids will not have any reaction, but yet they get on a plane, they're in a pressurized cockpit, and now suddenly they're having an allergic reaction. It's, it's the pressurization of the plane. So we've got people showing reactions to inoculations in certain circumstances that might normally pop up, and pilots uh, have been one of them. But, but we've got to dig further to understand what that data actually tells us and whether or not those numbers are correct. Um, autism. Uh, for a number of years, we had people, including a famous actress, being called crazy uh, if they wanted to investigate any possible correlations between vac uh, vaccines and autism. Uh, some said there was a direct correlation. Others just asked, could we at least investigate it and look into it? And they were treated like believers in UFOs. Um, it has since now popped up in, in natural news uh, at the end of the month of July that we have a 50% increase in autism cases worldwide since the inoculation rollouts. Uh, again, something else that has to be investigated to kind of figure out what does that data actually tell us. Uh, Mike Moore floated an interesting idea this week. Um, his sources are telling him the real reason for Fauci's resignation is, is that Dr. Fauci has cancer. So we will see. Mike's been proven correct before, although Mike has admitted on a couple of occasions some of his data didn't wash out, which is fine. He's right more often than he's wrong. Patrick Ryan uh, has been his usual self over on Twitter. Patrick brought up recently and was was re-airing the topic of Aaron Swartz. And a number of you recall, because we've talked about Aaron here on the show, uh, just to review, uh, Aaron supposedly <laughs> committed suicide about eight or nine years ago. Yep. He was a brilliant MIT graduate who discovered computer servers at MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology, who were not part of the official information technology infrastructure. Uh, these servers had human subject research, which is often frowned upon by the medical community. Um, appeared at the time, MIT may have taken money for research who would not be acknowledged. So MIT hid the results, it appears, on servers who could be easily hacked by their clients so that they could get what they paid for. Uh, there's a strong Jeff Epstein MIT connection, uh, as well as at Harvard. 
Uh, and at, in the case of Harvard, Epstein had an office and access to that school's uh, program known as the Program in Evolutionary Dynamics up until 2018. And that was for a number of years. Joe Rogan recently was talking about this. Um, Epstein was the connection between both schools and this kind of research. Uh, it also appears Aaron may have reached out to WikiLeaks with information before his mysterious death as well. And as I, I've noted previously, uh, Bill Gates made a huge donation to MIT literally following Aaron's uh, death. And that donation was uh, recommended by Epstein. Um, Patrick's been raising this topic again, which means there has to be a reason. Um, talking to Patrick is is like talking to the Oracle at Delphi. You know you're getting something important. You're just not quite sure what it is. Um, he's not the only one. Uh, Rogan's been interviewing Whitney Webb, and I've mentioned before that with the delays in her book, she's been doing the talk show circuit a bit. Patrick also had one other comment this week I wanted to share that I thought was very interesting. He made a comment where he said, if you're familiar with why we have separation of church and state, Epstein is what happens when you have a merger of state and science. Uh, I would add Dr. Fauci to that list as well. Deadly drugs. Uh, we keep hearing news about more deadly drugs in the pipeline beyond the ones who are already inflicting their toll on society. And yes, there's always going to be junkies. But you have to remember that do drug dealers and drug importers really want their customers to die? I mean, long term you may, but not immediately. And it's important to note that when Al-Qaeda in 2001, and this is true and this is in the public domain, they tried to get the cartels in Mexico to help move their people into the United States. And the Mexican cartels informed Al-Qaeda that they'll kill any Al-Qaeda members they find anywhere near the border. Now, why would this be? Because the cartels killing their drug-using customers was bad for business. So that's why they opposed Al-Qaeda launching terrorism inside the United States by coming across the border. So mm -hmm. why are drugs who kill people exploding across the United States? We're hearing now of all new forms of fentanyl, fentanyl right? other drugs. <clears throat> and I would also point out, per a number of, of shows, especially recently, I've pointed out who, who it is who's had an immense role in drug trafficking across the United States. And noting my earlier comments about population impact from inoculations is similar. Uh, we do have to recall the Charles Dickens classic, A Christmas Carol, where Scrooge said, if they would rather die, uh, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. I find it odd that we now are having all sorts of new drugs that are popping up across the United States that are predominantly hitting who? Well, uh, more poor areas of our economy uh, and citizens uh, who are dying from this, which, you know, those types of death numbers don't necessarily fall in line with, with other inoculation types of figures and similar. So they, they tend not to be uh, pointed out or covered that much by the media. As I mentioned on Tuesday, we had a major poll, uh, arms deal with Poland. I'm sure you all heard about that, right? Because uh, it was all over the media, which it wasn't. Uh, it was announced on July 29th, uh, $14 billion for 1,000 K2 tanks, 670 propelled howitzers, and 45 light combat aircraft. Now, who did Poland purchase those from? South Korea. That caught me a bit off guard. I was thinking maybe Turkey or Brazil or a couple of other major arms suppliers I know. Interesting. Yes. And the uh, the K2 Black Panther tanks uh, all the, also have serious engine and transmission problems they're still trying to fix. Mm -hmm. um, 
South Korea has been trying to purchase transmissions from Germany till they can fix the the bugs in those. Uh, I do know my way around tanks, folks. And the uh, Panther, um, <laughs> I'm getting flashbacks to India's domestic tank. Arjun. It looks just the like Arjun. The Arjun. Yep. Yeah, well, and it's it's got the same problems. Um, yeah, so the other thing, too, about arms deals, folks, is, is like as soon as they're signed, what actual weapons show up? What Why would they go with the with, a, with a pan with, with the uh, the black pan? It's sort of like a German leopard, which is like the best tank in NATO. You look at the front end of a leopard, though, and then you look at the Arjun or the or the K two, and just speaking shop, the leopard is all buttoned up. You know, the yeah. sensors are small, things are hidden. You got a lot of armor, a lot of angles. Uh, they use what's known as chabam armor, which is, yeah. which is layers of ceramic metal, ceramic metal, and other right. materials to slow down incoming ballistics. <clears throat> the problem with the Arjun, India's uh, main battle tank, or MBTs it's called, is they have these big, big, huge lenses on the outside of the tank. They make easy targets. Even if you have explosions or shrapnel near the vehicle, it can knock those sensors out. And it was one of right. the many, many problems India had with that with that platform. The K2, uh, South Korea's tank, the Black Panther, doesn't have as large a surface area of these sensors, but they're still quite notable. And as was learned during World War II, you know, the, the Tiger, or, yeah, the Tiger I tank, the, the, the uh, very feared German tank basically because of its gun, uh, the, the engine was underpowered and the transmission was crap, but, you know, the gun was impressive. But the problem with the Tiger that was realized early on was it had all these flat surfaces, so it made a perfect impact point for any kind of incoming round fired by artillery or another tank. Now, the uh, Soviet Union's tanks, the T-34s, the, the welding was horrible, and it used great big giant bolts all over the vehicle, but the net-net is, is it ran well, it ran on diesel, it had big wide tracks, and it could run anywhere, yep. but it also had these huge rounded surfaces. Uh, which didn't make it impervious, but it did it did help its survivability on the battlefield considerably. So with the K2, from just visually looking at it, as well as from some industry articles that are out there, it's it's got a lot of these kind of flat surface things about it, which in tank design is just not something you want to do. Now, as I said, will Poland go ahead and actually purchase a thousand of these tanks? Who knows? Um, it's crazy. Well, the other thing too is, is is the K2 comes in under or just around about a million dollars a copy, which the joke was when we we the United States first started making the M1 tank back in the 80s, they were a million dollars a copy. I assure you, they are no longer one million dollars a copy. They're a lot more than that. Oh, absolutely. So Poland was able to get a thousand tanks for a, a pretty good price point. But you know, if it was up to me, I mean, there are so many countries right now trying to, un including Australia, trying to unload their Leopard two tanks, the German design tank, which is superb. You could easily call the French and just have them yeah, out, which, which was what the French do, you know, outfit it with new electronics, new, new, uh, weapon systems. Um, but or, or we'll just see buy a French Leclerc if you want to do that. Yeah. I, you know, and where I'm going with this folks is it's important because for that amount of money to be dumped on Korea's industry. Yeah. It's weird. Like it why enables, well, it enable it's, it's, it's a head scratcher for this reason. As I've told you all, I use, oh, I wrote a number I, of papers. Yeah. I wrote a number of papers on this topic in both undergraduate and grad school. And who are some of your big arms dealers out there well there was the south africans but right now south africa is such a mess i don't know that you could get your goods to port 
Uh, Brazil makes a lot of wheeled vehicles that sit up kind of high. They Brazil made their money basically by helping South Africa buy weapon systems during the 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 apartheid era when everybody was embargoing South Africa. Turkey is another big arms player out there. Obviously, so are the French and any of the major NATO countries. Um, France has lost a number of big arms deals recently, which which there's no other way to say it. It's a big part of the French economy, and they need that money. And so it, it caused a major dust-up uh, with the United States and France recently about some arms deals with, with Australia. But South Korea is trying to enter that market. So by having this deal for these vehicles and this other pieces of military equipment, um, it will be interesting to see, and, and CJ's got it up on the screen, there, there's the K2 right there, and that's what I'm talking about. If you look to the left and the right of the turret, you'll notice some of these, these objects that are kind of poking out, and then the big optical unit there on the top of the turret. Um, and it's got a front end on it, the, the, the tracks and so on look very similar to the, to the Leopard tank. Um, this strikes me as an investment in South Korea's industry, which mm-hmm. will enable South Korea to move into other areas of arms, which, you know, the enemy, my enemy is my friend. That, well, that they're working means- on, a, on, a, on a new stealth jet as well. They are. And, and the other thing that this lends to folks is, is it would enable South Korea to have the funding now to start expanding into other areas of arms development. And that's, that's going to piss off Turkey and Brazil because those countries also need that funding. In fact, I would tell you that Brazil and uh, Turkey are a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to sustaining the revenue stream they need for arms development because the thing about arms is you can just keep building the same equipment but things change you you have to have research and development money to put in put in i mean it's like any other product uh you have to innovate france can kind of work around it because the connections between the french military and and their industry is kind of like it is in the united states there's there's a lot of cooperation there so i'm pointing it out not because it's just a, a an interesting news story but because poland the other thing too is you have to remember i've mentioned this before Poland is a member of a Central European military alliance that everybody forgets about because we always think of NATO squawking about NATO and then the threat, quote-unquote, of Russia. There's another military alliance in, in Central Europe that's fairly critical, and it has been led by Poland for years. It's Poland, Romania, Bulgaria, one or two other little countries there in the, in the center of the country. And, and they did it because those countries are used to getting screwed over. So... They're, they're mindful of the danger Russia might pose, but they also don't trust NATO very much either. So this enables Poland to kind of break free of uh, purchasing nothing but uh, NATO country weaponry either. Because one of the things I learned was, especially in my research of this subject over many years, the West creates amazing weapon systems, but they always withhold training and they always withhold supplies. That's how they make sure anybody they sold their arms to doesn't go crazy and try and conquer a particular region. Whereas legacy Warsaw Pact and Russian equipment, not to be indelicate, um, it it wears out faster. Uh, it just doesn't have the shelf life of some of the, the Western stuff. So that's kind of how both the old Warsaw Pact and the Soviet Union, as well as NATO, were able to keep conflicts from getting out of control was because if you don't get your spare parts or your spare munitions, they can kind of contain conflict. But if you're buying your weapons from South Korea, and if there's any kind of technology transfer, let's be candid, Polish industry could use 
any you know cooperative arrangements with with South Korea as they build these weapon systems. And I'm pretty sure Poland is not done buying weapons, so we we will see. Shifting to one of our favorite topics about population control yet again, I, I did want to, and I know Matthew Arad is is definitely uh, what do you call it, very keen on this topic and has covered it in depth. But I wanted to just refresh on the Malthus topic because you'll you'll hear this thing about about these Malthus curves and similar about population growth and especially the 1970s of fears that we we're going to run out of food. So what was Malthus's you know philosophy? Populations grow exponentially. Food does not, although that's not entirely accurate. Um, Malthus was appointed to organizations who gave rise to parallel groups like Margaret Sanger, the creator of Planned Parenthood. Um, Sanger's primary focus, if you read her diaries, and I have, was on containing the growth of what she considered less desirable races other than the white race. Um, she was pretty blunt about it in, in her writings. Um, it's always funny when I, when I hear people accuse conservatives and libertarians of being racists because that's like the ultimate form of comedy. Sure. Uh, then we have Dewey uh, from that era. Uh, you will Dewey many Decimal. Yeah, you'll know him for the Dewey Decimal System used in libraries. But Dewey and Sanger were, were pretty tight and big believers in Malthus's theories. Uh, Dewey also was a eugenicist and a, a, uh, had a massive superiority complex. Dewey, the reason why he developed the decimal system he did for libraries, as well as a lot of other impacts he had on our education system, was simply because the man believed that if your kids are going to the public school system, then your children are nothing but labor and cap and cattle. Uh, you're not anyone important. If you were, you would be sending your kids to private schools with private tutors. Um, it's not just Malthus either, because many <clears throat> empires have used war and famine and disease to contain global populations. Uh, certainly the potato famine we now know in Ireland was intentional. Um, and given the horror of tuberculosis in prior generations, or what it was also known as in the 1800s and early 1900s as the wasting disease, um, I'm quite sure that the elimination of that disease after World War II uh, due to antibiotics, must have been greeted by the world's uh, eugenicists with dread. Um, we also have examples like the Children's Crusade in Europe. Uh, they literally sent kids into battle against Arab armies uh, under the narrative that God would not let a child come to harm. Uh, the real reason was population reduction. Um, yet another reason why Europe for many years was happy to send their surplus populations to the newly minted United States to save them the trouble of killing people with war and potato famines. Um, it's also why so many of those immigrants were so thankful to making it to the United States because they, they knew the philosophies and beliefs of people like Malthus and the leaders of Europe, even if the United States was a little, uh, a little less aware of those things. And in modern time, it's interesting because the creators of the AstraZeneca vaccine uh, are major advocates in the United Kingdom of eugenics organizations there and have actually funded uh, eugenics organizations in the, in the United Kingdom. So with that, um, CJ, the uh, links I sent you, uh, if you could just start with the first of those and, and pull those up, if you would. I've got some websites I wanted to share with all of you, kind of return to that uh, topic again. So the first one here is Prism Break, and I did show this one before. Um, this one enables you to avoid... Uh, you know, surveillance efforts against you. So if you've got Android or iOS, you'll see there at the top, your mobile uh, devices, then your computer uh, 
various options. If you click any one of these, it'll take you to another, and I'll post all of these to the Discord page. Um, it allows you to to know what what options you have, whether in setting up your device or other software that you can run uh, to kind of help yourself move move a little bit more stealthily around there, and not be tracked as much. And of course, as I've often said here on the show, and, and V has said the same. Um, what do you call it? That uh, a VPN, a good VPN. Uh, I personally use uh, Surfshark, which is which is quite good. That's so, my favorite. Uh, and it, also, by the way, if you buy a Surfshark uh, license, folks, you can load it on both your computer and your cell phone. So I yep. both operating in the background. Uh, small user's tip. If you are using Surfshark, um, it's so good uh, that if you're trying to send email from Outlook, you actually have to turn it off. It will let you receive, but it won't let you send. Uh, it's a security feature that it, it has on there. And some websites will not pull up if you're using that particular uh, VPN because of their, their spyware. Uh, CG, if you'll hit the next one. I've mentioned the Zeller brothers. Uh, this is their new website. Uh, if you'll scroll down just a little bit, CJ, there you go. Um, their old website was a little clunky and that's okay. Uh, cause you know, it was beta and they were just getting it out. But, um, the Zellers, as I've mentioned, they're on Frank's show on quite frankly, um, periodically, um, he's had them on a couple of times recently because of the situation out in Utah that I mentioned on a prior show, and they've been covering it here. So uh, the good thing about any of these little bubbles is if you click one, it'll take you to uh, their own thoughts or their own sources who are giving them detail about it, and there'll often be some some links on there. Um, next one, CJ. This is a good one. Uh, the Dauntless Dialogues. This is a website that has a bunch of um, documentaries and things by by amateur folks. Um, and then this specific one here on human farming, uh, P-H-A-R-M-I-N-G. Um, and uh, our buddy our buddy there from the 1800s, Mr. Rockefeller. Um, this is a good site. It's got a number of, if you want to watch some, some independent work in documentaries and similar, you can, you can give this one a go. Fellas, you there? I'm here. Are you here? Uh, we lost CJ. Am I live? Are you V? V, are you there? Fellas, I can't hear you. No, I think it's V, uh, Vellas. Hello? I'm yeah, here. We're he- yeah, we're here. It's just him. I'll just send him a private chat. <laughs> go ahead, Vellas. It's either his internet provider again, or he pressed the wrong button. Um, while you, while you're texting the gorilla, um, uh, next one, if you would. Uh, this is kind of a fun one. Um, there's a bunch of sites all under the same banner here. Uh, now, Gizmodo, Jalopnik, you see there at the top, Jezebel. Um, this is kind of a left wing site uh like their jalopnik site about the auto industry it's it's like everything they ever cover is about why everything isn't electric but uh the inventory page is pretty good this shows a number of of sales deals that are out there well, anytime are you with us it must be his output hey guys you guys hear me we can hear we you we can hear you <laughs> well he's him. go ahead well, he's working on that. Um, so anyway, this this is a they change this daily, and it has various links to deals that are just for the day or for the week or whatever. Um, obviously, as you can see here on the page, they've got the back to school and college 
sales that you can you can take advantage of. Um, CJ, if you'll hit the next one. And I'll, I'll post all of these folks to, to Discord after the show. Let me see here. Okay, one, two, three, four, five. I had five listed in there. Which one did we miss? It's more than that. Uh, yeah. The Libertarian only... Institute? No, none of those came through. Oh, you're kidding. No, I got one, two, three, four, five listed in the uh, the chat with the links. Okay, well, I'll uh, hang on. Not sure why I didn't carry the rest of them through, though. That's interesting. Okay, can you see my screen? There you go. Okay, so this is the resignation page, folks, and I'm pretty sure I've shown this one before. Uh, this will list any major resignations of government or commercial folks. So you'll see there at the at July 14th, Mario Draghi of the government of Italy, and then and Kaha Kalas of Estonia, and the list goes on. Um, it's an interesting site because you can sometimes see whole blocks of people uh, in certain industries resign at the same time. It's kind of a good early warning system um this is the libertarian institute this site let me get this guy out of the way this site shows all of the documents and all of the data on the oklahoma city bombing uh in one in one place so you know photo scans of of documents fbi documents atf documents etc uh as well as other people's people's materials um Kind of a good uh, a good site simply because now now you got a lot of this data in one place, including the FOIA documents here from uh, Jesse Tredidu. Uh Oklahoma, after that that incident took place in their state, uh, conducted their own investigation outside the feds, and so <clears throat> the state of Oklahoma was able to find information that the feds either didn't want to talk about uh, or was never posted any, anywhere else. This is Deep Black Lies. Uh, this is a crime and corruption website. Um, kind of simplistic as as the site is laid out, but as I'm fond of saying, sometimes you don't want a really slick website because that's just going to attract attention from people you don't want to deal with. Um, but this is a good website for um, corruption topics. Um, the finders, CJ showed this when I was talking about the the trafficking topic. And... This was conscious resistance. This is, um, oh, CJ, help remind me. I always forgot the gentleman's name. Uh, Derek Bros. Yep. Uh, Derek Bros, who's on BitChute. Um, Derek's another one of those folks, much like Ryan Dawson. I've mentioned Dawson a couple times. You know, Dawson's living there in Japan because uh, he's covering so much about Israel that that's probably the safest place he can broadcast from. Derek is originally a U.S. citizen, but spends a lot of his time in Mexico for the same reason. He's kind of run afoul of both the telecom industry as, as some other players out there. Um, this is the documentary about about the Finders cult, which I, I mentioned before, which really wasn't a cult. <laughs> There's a little bit more going on there. And uh, last one here is Open the Books. Um, v showed this website probably more than a year ago, but this is a, a website that shows um, U.S. government officials and like how much they make, what they've been investing in, uh, et cetera. Uh, it's got a number of different uh, data points. Here's some interesting ones that deal with like public employees. Uh, I forget where it was, but they, they somewhere in the Northeast, I remember there was a university that had um, 
like sports figures making 300,000 a year as coaches and stuff that, that if you don't have access to a site like this, you won't really find that data. So I guess we've completely lost V. Yeah. He messaged that his audio was shot. So I'm not sure what happened. All right. No worries. So, uh, that's what I had for today, everybody. And, uh, green machine, you're funny. Uh, Claudia Christian, actually I'll go there. Um, I'm holding it in my hand right now. Uh, I'm reading Claudia Christian's uh, memoir. Um, it's called Babylon Confidential. Uh, interesting actress, uh, all joking aside. Um, she actually dated um, Dodi Fayyad uh, of Princess Diana fame, uh, which I find funny. Um, and she had, some, she had some very interesting insights about a lot of popular people in Hollywood uh, and other notable figures out there that when she was younger and her star was on the rise and so on, um, uh, some very interesting insights about people and their personalities. Uh, this one won't shock anybody. She, she did because of the whole science fiction thing. She was at a, uh, show, uh, a, uh, conference for science fiction fans. Uh, but also she had other occasions to bump into William Shatner and just said, Shatner is a real, you know what? Uh, and he's Shatner's always chasing uh, skirts every time uh, he's around women and stuff. But yeah, he uh, comes in peace. He means you right. no harm. <laughs> but her her book was interesting because, like for instance, she talked about when she was dating Dodie Fiat that that Dodie, um, you know, he was the guy that Princess Diana uh, was in the car with when the crash occurred, and you know there were all these accusations about various things. What I took away from uh, Claudia's book was just the immense level of security for people like him. And she had a number of notable people like this that she dated that they were like, Hey, you know, basically run off with me and we can be on these big yachts all the time. And, and she just said, she felt like she'd be a prisoner with all these private security details and things like that. And so she, she never let those relationships kind of become uh, more permanent. And it, it lended further credence to the idea that, that like with princess Diana, that it was just, you know, she's, she liked her high-profile playboys, and she was hanging out with Dodie. The, the accident, although, is a, a completely separate issue about what may have been behind that. I mentioned that on a, on a uh, prior hand. Um, so, V, uh, any comments on today's content? Because that's, that's what I had for this week. No, man, I think you ran the gambit. Uh, very interesting uh, points that you've made. And uh, then I started struggling with audio issues, so I missed the last uh, five or ten minutes of it. No worries. Job well done, though. Tell you. Oh, I do have a website I'll post on the... Uh, we didn't get a chance to really look at it today. It's a mind map, if you will, or a network map of Jeff Epstein. And it's like his name in the center and then all these little lines that break out. And it connects to the Santa Fe Institute, J.P. Morgan, Deutsche Bank, and various people's names. Um in QTEL, for those of you who know what that is, Google, the British royal family, it's it's very interesting. If you can zoom in or zoom out, and if you click on a particular thread, it explains why a particular line is is blue or orange or whatever. Um, but it's it's probably one of the most logical diagrams I've ever seen of like anyone ever connected to him. Uh, you'll all find it interesting if you go out to the wow. Discord page and go check that out. That's awesome. Velas, thank you for joining us, man, and thank you for breaking it down for us yet again. Folks, you can find Velas over at the Discord. Go, you want to go to the Discord, contact CJ. That is at CJ at roguenews.com. CJ at roguenews.com. 
And with that being said, we're at the end of the program. Enjoy your weekends. And I think Harley's going to be back with us starting next week. Uh, he should be done with his travels. So looking forward to that as well. Um, with that being said, El Cuco, any last words before you take it away? No, yeah. Hopefully, hope Harley will be back Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern time. So, yeah, hopefully he's safe travels back home. Fantabulous. And with that being said, have a fabulous weekend, folks. I'm saying fabulous a lot. It's not so-